I've talked to you about some things that it means to be, what are some evidences and what, what are some, some things that give testimony that somebody is strong in spirit. You see, I want you to be able to recognize it when you see it. I want you to be able to identify if you've got it. And then if you don't have it, I want you to seek after it. And I want you to come to the place that you're unshakable. You understand that? You've received a kingdom that should not be moved. And that's what I want for you. Every saint of God ought to be able to say with the apostle Paul, none of these things move me. None of these things move me. I'm going to stand for Jesus Christ. Amen. That is the very idea of one of the points of being strong in spirit. And that is that a man, he comes, his heart is fixed and established to serve God. That's what David asked for the Lord to do for him again. He said, Lord, he said, I want you to create in me a clean heart. After he had sinned with Bathsheba, he said, I want you to renew in me a right spirit. The word right means a, a prepared or an established spirit, a, a spirit that isn't wavering, a, a spirit that isn't going back and forth, not a, a double-minded man. A, a double-minded man is too, literally a double-spirited man. His spirit is being pulled, if you will, in two directions. And I will tell you that when you're strong in spirit, you become like a rock. You become fixed. Jesus, at the age of 12, had already arrived at that place where he's strong in spirit. We will never see one iota of waver in the life of Jesus Christ. We never see any fringe of doubt. We never see any sense of insecurity. We ever see in him where he's uncertain as to who he is or where he's going or why he's here. Oh no sir. We see a heart that's fixed and bound up in God and ready to do the thing that God says to do. Sometimes you get weary. <clears throat> because you see people questioning, doubting, wavering, teeter-tottering. Sometimes they don't even realize they're teeter-tottering. They will tell you their heart is fixed. They will tell you, I'm not going back. But their actions show that they're sliding backward instead of moving forward. Their actions show that they're warming up to that crowd out there and becoming more comfortable to that worldly crowd than they are with the saints of God. Yes, sir. And you'll find that. But I'm telling you, you ought to be fixed tonight. It ought to be with you that there should never be a doubt. It should be that if the, the saints of God and the church know that you are there and you are somebody that's on board and you are fixed and you're not turning around. It doesn't matter what happens. It doesn't matter if sometimes you get knocked out. You may even have a sickness it may put you down. You may have something that, that interrupts your life and it may put you down for weeks, even at a time. But this is one thing we know. You will not be turning around. Oh, no, sir. My heart is fixed, oh, God. My heart is fixed. You can't have a heart that's fixed if that inward man is weak and vacillating and teeter-tottering in the winds that are blowing from this world, the winds of deception and delusion that are constantly beating up upon our lives but when a man has got a strength in the inside he says I sit with Christ in heavenly places and I will not fail I will not turn around I am persuaded that he is able to keep that which is that I've committed unto him against that day and there will be no wavering 
There should never be any talk come out of your mouth that would ever even give any hint or consideration that you have in some way entertained the thought of going back to where you were before Christ. It shouldn't be in your mind. It shouldn't be on your lips. If your spirit is strong, there's nothing out there that in any way gets a hold of you or is an attraction to you or pulls at you because the pull in you, heavenward, is so strong and it is so right and it's so powerful that the world lost its grip a long time ago. Oh, sin lost its ugly grip a long time ago and you've got your sight set on glory that you know where you are bound to go. That heart is fixed to serve God. There is a deep satisfaction in God and a deep desire to commune with him, a spirit that is strong on the inside has been strengthened because the power of the Holy Ghost has undergirded it because it's been fed with the word of God and a continual diet and it is very much delighted there's a deep satisfaction oh sometimes there are waves and storms on the surface sometimes there are things that batter the boat on the surface but that anchor's got a hold of something that's deeper than the surface the anchor's not in the wave the anchor's in the Edge and the cleft of rock that is beneath where the storms cannot reach, where the winds cannot blow, where nothing can touch it. There's where the anchor holds. I'm telling you there should never be in us any listfulness that says, oh, I just kind of wish I had that or I wish I was over there. A man that has Christ ought not wish for anything but more of Jesus. A man who's anchored in the rock, he ought to be so deep satisfied with who God is and who he is in God and he has no desire to in any way lay hold of anything outside of the God in whom he dwells. A man that's strong in spirit cannot live without prayer. If he doesn't get timed where he has sweet communion with God, he is grieved. He aches as if he was separated from his bride whom he's deeply in love with. There's such a pull in his heart and spirit heavenward that he yearns if he has to find an early hour to rise, if he has to stay up late to make it happen, he simply cannot stay away from the prayer closet. If you can avoid the prayer closet, you're weak inwardly. Oh, come on. If you can live life contented without the revelation of God and the communion of God being poured into your spirit, if you can be comfortable without having that sense of God's presence and knowing that you have bowed before the throne and you have prayed for the kingdom to come, you have prayed for the will of God to be done. And in this world of wickedness, whenever there's voices of blasphemy and voices of 
of, of, of charges of, of sin against God and accusation against the God of heaven that out of the depth of that mass of humanity came a voice clear and crystal clear early in the morning. Oh God, thou art my God and early will I seek thee. My heart and my flesh longs for thee. When wilt thou come, oh God, and touch me? There ought to be a cry that comes out of the din of humanity and out of the, the mass and its rebellion that comes out of the midst of that somewhere here in an apartment, somewhere in a household, somewhere in the corner of a home. There's a mama and there's a daddy that have hit their knees in daily communion just like it was in Babylon when the kings have issued their decrees and they have went and they have thought they have found the way to destroy the man of God and to destroy the work of God. They thought they found a way that they could silence the voice but no Sarah, the voice was still go and the knee will bow at the wind. It'll look toward the place and it'll cry to God again. You cannot silence the voice of prayer when the spirit is strong, when the spirit inside of you yearns for heaven, then there will be a constant stream of communication with the Lord. There is in a person whose spirit is strong an overwhelming dependence upon the grace of God. I'm talking about a man or a woman for both. We all need it. And there becomes a man who's strong in his spirit. There's a man who also understands that his spirit is not what sustains him. He has grown strong in that spirit because he has bound that spirit up with God's grace. He has wrapped it up in the love of God and he has buried it. Oh, glory. He has buried it in the hand of the Lord God and placed it there and said, that's where my spirit would dwell. No, sir. A man who is strong in spirit will never depend on his talent. He'll never go to a pulpit and think that he's got it together. He'll go there with a prayer on his lips and say, God, if you don't help me, I'm a goner. If you don't teach me, Lord, I'm not going to make it. No, sir. He'll not start the day with any sense of self-sufficiency. He will say to God, I am yours. I am the clay and you are the potter. And I need that hand that is greater than anything else to hold me up. He will have made use of the means of grace so that he knows that I am sustained by the grace of God. That in my weakness I'm made strong. He has learned to delight himself in the things that bring him to the end of his own strength and he has learned to reach up and lay hold of a hand that's greater than any other thing he does not turn to his fellow man he does not turn to his fellow brother he has by himself learned that the grace of God is sufficient for all things when trouble knocks at your door and your first habit is to reach for the telephone. Call the family member, call the brother, call the pastor. You're weak in spirit. Yeah. 
You're weak in spirit. There's a man who's strong in spirit says, okay, I see my weakness, but I know the fountain of strength. I know where I can find Jesus. I know where I can lay hold of him. And there you will be wrapped up in his love. And you have found there, you have found a source of strength that is inexplicable. You have found this sense and that there is this great sense of calmness in you even though you face danger. That's what I want to see in this church right now. I'm going to tell you something I don't want to hear in this church. I don't want to hear, well, how are we going to do that? Amen. Now, if you're asking just because, uh, okay, I just need some direction here and, uh, you know, what do you want me to do and what's my part, that's fine. But if that is a question that is coming out of doubt uh, or perplexity, I don't know, sir, that's not what I want to see. I want to see people who are strong and says, I do not know how it's going to happen, but I can tell you this, there's no anxiety in the soul. There's no panic that is gripping my life. I'm telling you, this world can overwhelm you. But when you're strong in your spirit, it can beat on you up one side and down the other. But anxiety will never find a place that it can lay hold of your life. When you are facing a storm that is greater than a Category 5 hurricane, and it looks like you're going to be blown asunder, I'm telling you, you can stand there and say, by God's grace, I will make it. A hand is in the hand of Jesus Christ. And there will be no panic. Lay hold of your spirit. The spirit that gives way to anxiety and panic is weak. It needs fortified. You have developed an ability to face adversity and difficulty. Without complaining. If your life is still moving from one complaint to the other, so that in times of laxity, in times of that are easy going, when the road is smooth and the seas are calm, you're happy. But at the first sign of rough seas, your countenance has fallen. Your joy has went out the window. And you begin to complain about why me? Your spirit's weak. Your spirit's weak. The disciples had that problem. Their spirit was weak. Lord, carest thou not that we perish? There's no fretting in him. Carest thou not, which means he had no care. <laughs> yeah, he was not anxious. <laughs> Look at his face, and there's nothing but calm. Matter of fact, he's asleep. <laughs> Woo, 
glory to God. Yeah, there's no sense of alarm. There's no sense of danger. There's no sense of worry that is gripping his inward man. And the only complaint he has is having to put up with those who don't have enough faith to say to know that God's in the ship and it can't go down. Yes, sir. If our complaint is there, let it be because the others that is simply do not want to put their confidence in Jesus Christ. But we will not complain about the adversity because we know that it is par for the course. Man who's strong in his spirit has overcome weights and besetting sins. He has no hang-ups. He has no weights. He's cast them aside. He's conquered it. They've been thrown to the wind and he runs at full speed. If there is a sin that keeps pulling you back, if you find that you progress and you're excited in Jesus and you're growing close, but then there's something in your life that has such a pull, it pulls you back to that place of dullness and laxity, of grieving, of loss. Can I tell you something? There's a weakness in you. It's a weakness in your spirit that needs to be corrected. You need to find a strength. We're going to talk about how to grow strong later. I just want you to get a little vision of what it is. We may find in these areas that some and the majority of them, we've got it down pat, but there's some areas. Overall, we are strong in spirit, but there's some areas that can be shored up a little bit. Amen. There's some things in the life we can get a little stronger. I'll talk about what it doesn't mean to be strong in spirit after a while, but let me just hang with this right here. There is a complete sense of victory in the life. There should never be in you any sense that you might lose it. There should never be any sense in you that you might fail God or that God might fail you. There ought to be in you an outlook of utter victory. Woo, glory to the Lamb of God. I should never look to the horizon and wonder if I can make it. I should never look somewhere out across the weird, the times and look and think, I don't know if I'm ever going to make it. It's been a hard journey. I don't know if I've got the strength. No, sir. I ought to look ahead of me and see the one whose hands are now scarred. I ought to look down ahead of me and see the footprints oh, that have already trod the path. Glory to God. I ought to look ahead and see the eyes that are like a flame of fire and his loins are Turn about with a golden girdle and say, Oh, yes, lead on, Savior. I will win the battle. We will have victory because Jesus is our general. Hallelujah. There's a life lived. Hear me now. I said it maybe recently. I'll say it again but a life lived by scriptural convictions. A man that's strong in spirit, I do not suggest he knows everything. I do not suggest that he will not learn 
ever and be able to fine-tune things in his life. But elementary convictions are set. They're fixed. He doesn't live his life based on what the church down the road does. He doesn't gauge his rightness based on what the opinion of popular Christianity offers unto him. He can look at somebody that lives a life completely different than his and yet claims to possess the same salvation, claims to live by the same standard, claims to serve the same God. Oh, you hear me right now. He can look at them and all that they have in their claims and they, they look and act like the world. They live a standard entirely different by convictions that are different and yet they claim to serve the same Lord and yet they claim to possess the same Holy Ghost and yet they read the same Bible and they attend the same Christian churches and they claim to be orthodox in all of their, their beliefs and all of their doctrine. He can look at that and he's not pulled at it. He doesn't worry about whether or not he's a Christian or whether or not he needs to make some adjustments in his life. He's not looking for some extra liberty. He's not looking for someone to give him an excuse or some kind of justification to go out and lower the standard. Oh, hallelujah. He's already fixed the standard. He's already established a conviction. He's not going to be moved by Jezebel. He's not going to be moved by someone who's a Johnny come lately they can have all the success they want my heart is fixed my conviction is grounded and I will live by the beliefs that I have in this book he is not bothered if it appears that others can get by with things he cannot He is not bothered if it seems that others can live by a lower standard and get by. It doesn't bother him because his standard is set in Scripture. He hadn't based his standard on what the culture says. He hadn't based his standard on what the, the age and the time period that he lived in. He got his nose in that book and he established it right there. And if the tempter comes by and says, look at so and so. Look at so and so. They're being successful. Oh my, look. Look at how and they don't have to live like you do. They're not bound up where you are. He can look right back at them and say, sir, I am not bound up. I can tell you. I know the commandments of the Lord are not grievous to me. The commandments of the Lord are not a burden. I have a liberty in Jesus Christ and I will tell you sir what I believe is not based on pragmatism. It's not based on whether or not somebody thinks it'll be successful. I'm founded in the holy word of God and that's where I will stand. My conscience will not be bound to a decorative culture. My conscience is bound to the word of God. I rise or fall based on it's standard. If you are constantly questioning your convictions, you're not strong in spirit. If you are constantly wondering whether or not you 
are right or wrong. Your convictions aren't established. And your spirit is not strong. Glory to the Lamb of God. I don't have a problem with answering the critics. I don't have a problem with answering the questions of truth seekers. But I'll be honest with you. I don't really care to debate those who simply love an argument. I have no interest in debating for the sake of debate or simply to present my viewpoint. I'm not interested in it because that's not why I live. Oh, glory to the Lamb of God. Somewhere, you see, when your convictions are set, it doesn't matter how the guy next to you lives. Because I'm not looking for a way out. Some folks are looking for an excuse to go back and pick up a piece of that world. I'm not looking for that. No, sir. I found where I stand on Jesus and that's where I'll stand. Well, I don't think you have to do it that way. That's all right. You don't live in my body. You won't answer for me on the day of judgment. I will, okay? And can I tell you right now, I am not disappointed with the demands that the Lord has laid upon my heart. Oh, hallelujah. Can I tell you right now, the world can live as liberal as it wants to. The church world can live as liberal as it wants to. The whole world can go naked. And I'll tell you, I'll still walk out there fully clothed because I am not looking for an excuse for me to go down that road. I'm not looking for a way out. I'm not looking for a liberty to do wrong. I've found a liberty to do right. And greater is the man who has found the liberty to live a life of scriptural conviction. (laughs) Your life is one of continual warfare against the powers of darkness. You do not see your Christian experience as just religious activity. Someone who is strong in spirit is one who is engaged, conscious of a warfare. The devil hates us. It thrills my heart. (laughs) I have no interest in being the object of his affection. I have no interest in joining sides with him. No, sir. Oh, my. You see, the Christian doesn't fret over adversity. He faces it. He doesn't get all down and out because the devil's pounding on him. He says, glory be to Jesus. (laughs) Must mean I'm on the right side. Woo! 
hallelujah. His prayer is aimed, his prayer is aimed at seeking to destroy the territory of the enemy. His prayer is aimed at getting at root causes and not dealing with superficial issues. Oh, so many times we are such people that deal merely with symptoms. We only care about fixing something for the time being. Just get the band-aid. Just get rid of the pain right now. No, sir. I'd like to find the root of it. I'd like to get down and know where this is coming from. Glory to the Lamb of God. I'd like to get down and see. Let's kill this thing at the root and we'll never again watch it bear fruit in the life. He's able to bear the weaknesses of the weak without pleasing himself. Now let's just face it. If you're strong, there's a time you're going to have to carry others. You don't use the sick to carry the sick. In other words, you will have to be able to maintain your own path and spiritual integrity in Christ while you bear the weaknesses of others around you. You will have to take them to prayer. You will have to cry for them. You will have to ask God to save them. You have to ask God to grip them because they cannot see that they're losing their grip and you will have to pray for them. And all the time you're praying for them, a storm is howling outside your window against your life. All the time you're working to carry the burdens of someone out there. You're struggling in your own body. There's some sickness that's laid hold of you. Oh, there's some sense in your life in which the enemy's trying to beat you up. In other words, you got your own personal challenges. Oh, but there's no time to fret over yourself. There's no time to fret over your own problems. You got too much out there you got to deal with. You got too much out there that needs to be carried. A strong man can say, Lord, I'm yours. I don't matter. But you got to help that one. You got to help that one. You've got to reach this one. You've got to touch this one. And I'm telling you, it's in that hour when he reaches out and touches the lives of others. He will find the invisible hand of God. We'll raise him up and sustain him. Woo! Man that's strong in spirit, he has no fear of man. Neither does he seek the praise of any man. Amen. God's going to give us some favor with some folks. We're going to honor that. We're going to thank God for it. And we're going to be grateful. But I got in my truck this afternoon. And it was nothing personal towards anybody. But after I shared the, the building plans with this friend and he pledged his help, for which I'm so grateful and told him so, I believe it to be right now the direction God gives. But I got in that car and I said, God, I know me 
And I know, God, it's so easy sometimes to get caught up in the favor of someone that you want to lean on them and say, God, I'm telling you right now, I don't want that. I don't want to build this church, Lord, and feel like I owe a man something for it. I don't want to feel some pressure to compromise a value or to compromise a principle just because someone has given their help and their support. No, sir, I want to receive that if that's the avenue that God uses. I want to be humble and receive that. But when it all comes down, they must understand I'm not for sale. They must understand this church does not have a price tag on it. Oh, glory to the Lamb of God. We're not putting up a for sale sign that says, Come, everybody, and we'll just be able to receive and do for you whatever you want to be done. No, sir. I go by and I see churches have turned into nothing more than social clubs. They have become a business of entertainment. They're an industry of entertainment. And they've got a staff and they're providing entertainment services all week long and giving folks a sense of religiosity. I'm not in the entertainment business. I'm in the gospel business. And I want God to do this for his glory. And when it's all said and done, there will be nothing in which we will feel indebted to flesh. Our debt will be to the Holy Ghost. Our debt will be to Jesus Christ. And to him we will give thanks and praise. Woo! Mm. Are there people that when you get around them, you know they live by a different standard? but you delight in their accolades. It makes you feel good when they acknowledge your spirituality. See, a strong man don't have to have his spirituality acknowledged because it doesn't rest in the thoughts of men, the opinions of men. It rests in Jesus Christ. Hallelujah. Woo, glory. There's no fear of men's disapproval. There's no worry that, hey, what am I going to do if these folks don't like me? It can be a terrible thing, the pressure to fit in. The pressure to be seen as someone that is spiritual. You can feel that pressure to fit in with people. And I'm telling you right now that if you're not careful, it'll grip you. But a man that's strong in spirit has broke all of those ties. His heart is tied to one and that's all. He has no other ties but to Jesus Christ and Jesus alone. He doesn't have to be ugly at folks. He doesn't spit in people's faces and he doesn't shun people. 
but he doesn't go seeking them out for some kind of affirmation of his own uh, of his own spirituality. He doesn't have to have somebody constantly pat him on the back and say, "Ah, oh, brother, I see you're doing really good, and I want to thank you because you are being faithful and you are being uh, really on target right now." And I want you to know that I really appreciate that. I'm not saying that's a bad thing to do. No, I'm not. It, it, it needs to happen uh, to build some folks and strengthen some folks uh, but I'm telling you if you depend on that your spirit is weak uh, if you feel some sense that you've got to have that confirmation by a brother by a pastor somebody's got to affirm you somebody's got to come and shoulder you up and check you and make sure that you're there and this that you know that they know I'm there hey brother I'm telling you when you're strong in spirit it doesn't matter whether the brother thinks you're there or the brother don't think you're there. You know where you're at and that's all that matters and you'll stand in the grace of God Almighty. Finally, let me say this, a man, a woman that's strong in spirit doesn't seek to defend himself. He's able to trust himself to the judgment of God. There, there becomes a time, certain settings, defenses have to be made. Paul found it necessary to write to the Corinthian church and defend his ministry. But he didn't defend his ministry because he was having an inferiority complex. He didn't defend his ministry because he was wallowing in a pool of self-pity. And he was just all torn up because folks didn't hold a high opinion of him as a minister. He defended his ministry because that church needed to wake up and see the difference between a real man of God and a charlatan. They needed to wake up and see the difference and see the characteristics of a man of God that had really loved them and prayed for them and preached the gospel to them had not been chargeable to them in any way, had brought them from their depths of despair and sin and brought them a life-saving gospel that they themselves had the ability to stand there and rejoice in Christ and they stood on the ground where they enjoyed the blessings of the Spirit. They were sitting in heavenly places, oh yes, with Jesus Christ and watching a move of God in their midst, enjoying the gifts of God. But they didn't get that those Johnny-come-lately preachers. They didn't get that for some weak gospel that grew up yesterday and sprouted up overnight and has come and exciting the world and taking the world by storm. They got it by that hunchbacked man. Oh, that bald-headed man that came across the ground. He didn't look like much. He didn't talk like much. But he had a gospel of truth and the power of God and it transformed their lives. Don't you forget what got you where you are. Woo! Glory to the Lord. Oh, hallelujah. We didn't get where we are by 
compromise. We didn't get what we have tonight by giving up the fight and by fudging a little bit. We did it because we stayed the course. God has been faithful to his promise. Stand to your feet. Glory to God. I do not know the direction our church, or I'm sorry, our country will take. Where right decisions are made by our government, I will applaud them and I will give thanks to God. I have been praying against the Jezebels and Ahabs that live and inhabit Capitol Hill. I'm asking God to expose them. I'm asking God to help us. And if he can show mercy without harming his own name and image, I'd like to receive that mercy. Not at the expense of his glory, not at the expense of his justice. If he can show us mercy without harming his, his own reputation and glory, we need it. And I pray for our nation. What our brother said tonight in testimony I agree wholeheartedly with. I pray and my prayers have been the same things. God, you've got to expose this garbage. I read the psalm this afternoon. The wicked hate the righteous. It really isn't about Donald Trump. It isn't about Republicans and Democrats. It's about a spirit that is antichrist. And whenever there is a decision made that honors Christ and is consistent with Christianity, consistent with the moral principles and absolutes of this book and labeled as such, they hate it for that reason and that reason alone. They really don't care if the economy grows. They just don't want it to grow as the result of decisions that are based in real logic and truth and based in reason. Oh, because this country wasn't founded on mere capitalism. This country was founded on the Bible and truths that were written therein. America never gave us our freedoms. God gave, gives us our freedoms. America's there and they can bolster that and they can help to secure that in some earthly sense but they are not the donor of our freedoms. Do you understand that? Oh, I'll tell you right now, they can take every freedom they want. They can take away my right to bear arms if they want to. They can take it away, but they will never, ever, ever take away from me the liberty that I have in Jesus Christ. And I say tonight, I don't know. I do not have yet a vision as to where this country will be three of Jesus Terry's four or five years 
from now. But this is what I do know. That the church has got to have a change. Somewhere there's got to be a voice that rises up again in the wilderness and says, Hey, folks, the Super Bowl's not what we're about. Hey, folks, Hollywood is not what we're about. Hey, folks, call political correctness is not what we're about. What we're about is the declaration of the unadulterated word of God that needs to be the voice of a reformer. You pray for your nation. You ask for God's mercy if he can give it. But if this church don't see God's power, if this church fails to stay the course and we cower in the face of the enemy, doesn't matter how many laws our nation passes, doesn't matter how many court decisions are reversed or made, doesn't matter if it makes a difference. I hope you understand right now what's plaguing us. What's plaguing us right now is the sense of the church the church has this sense that it must patronize the rich and famous of this world. That somehow we must gain their favor. If we get a Kanye West, we just go bananas. And we think, oh, wow, isn't this amazing? I'll stick my head out on the limb. He ain't nothing but still about money. It's still about him. And Jesus is only something he can use to get something more. I'm just going to tell you that somewhere, I'm going to tell you that somewhere we've got to not be mesmerized and captivated by talent. By money, by stardom, by fame. The church was built by fishermen, tax collectors, by plain old mamas, and daddies. And he never relied on the power of the rich and the famous. And we don't need to look somewhere so that we can be validated by that garbage out there. I don't even want their hand on us. I don't want a dollar from their pocketbooks. No, I don't want a letter of recommendation from them. I want to stand out so distinct. Oh, glory to God. It says we are entirely different. We have nothing to do with that. We are the people of Christ. And we are not here to patronize the decadent and degraded culture. It will cost us. It will cost us. We will be ridiculed. We will be written off. 
But I will tell you, there are some blind that are stumbling in the darkness. <laughs> Woo! And they are the ones that are stumbling, and they're going to want. They're wanting light, brother Benny. Ah, oh, but while the world is grumbling and the kingdom is suffering violence, the light of Christ is going to penetrate yeah. their dark souls, and they're going to reach out and lay hold of it and say, "I want that. I want that. I'm tired of what I've had in the world. I want Jesus Christ and Jesus Christ alone." I hope you begin to feel the weight of what we're under. This is no game. This is no game. This is for keeps. You better get ready. You better get strong in spirit. Because the fight's on. And it's not for the faint of heart.